lonely times. Has anybody ever been lonely? Been lonely? Here's an interesting piece of historical information. Uh, before our modern interstate system, the majority of highways, roadways, uh, they were all built on existing, well-known paths that people followed. And that's been true. I mean, even today, there are roads that come out of Rome that we consider the first modern roadways, right? The Roman roads. They were built on well-known paths. They were paths people were following to find food or shelter or maybe even just traveling between existing communities. And as we progressed, uh, the roads had to change. So whenever they came to horse, you know, horses, then the paths got a little bit broader. People were riding them, moving more fast throughout them. In the south here, we have some areas that are called the Sawdust Trail, where uh, preachers would ride on horseback going between communities that didn't have pastors, and they would preach to them. And when buggies became more affordable and everybody could have a horse and buggy or two horses and a buggy to pull them, then the roads had to get a little bit wider, had to get a little bit better, a little bit stronger, could support the weight and accommodate the larger size of transportation in its mode. As automobiles became the mode of transportation, guess what happened? We didn't like bouncing around, getting beat to death by a buggy that would take us faster. So those paths turned to gravel roads and then eventually were paved, paved for progress and turned to asphalt, cement, things like that. Think about that for just a moment. The roads that you and I travel here in Georgia might have been established in this area when it was nothing but a colony. I know in the Northeast, uh, when I was evangelizing and traveling, I preach up there, and I, I just kind of noticed there were some roads that were just pretty narrow. And I asked a friend of mine in Connecticut about that, and he said, well, think about a lot of these were very tight areas where horses and buggies, and so they just paved that, and they haven't really expanded or widened because the land was all owned up, right? So the roads here could have been traveled by many, many people. We don't often think about that. We travel on a country road or something. We don't think about what brought that road to be or who the people were that were there before us. But in a sense, there's a little bit of comfort in that because there's no path or road that has not been traveled by someone else. It's kind of like life. There's no path in life that has not been traveled by someone else. That should bring some comfort. Comfort to us in a sense because there's no path that someone has not journeyed on. Nothing you go through right now has not been faced by someone else. Someone has traveled that same journey. When I was a kid, I would spend summers with my grandparents on their farm in Louisiana. And they attended a little Pentecostal church named Camp 8 United Pentecostal Church. I always thought that name was funny, Camp 8, 
United Pentecostal Church. It was named Camp 8 because that was the name of the logging camp in which it was established. The area had no name, so they named it Camp 8. You'd leave the farm and turn right onto Terrell Cutoff Road. At the end of that road, you would turn right again onto Highway 1199. And drive about a mile and turn left on Owen Miller Road. When Owen Miller Road ended, you turned left again, and there on the right was Camp 8. Not much to it, just a small Pentecostal church. Both of my grandparents are buried in that cemetery at that church. And I'm very grateful for the legacy they left of faithfulness to God. And I want to tell someone today what you're doing in your life right now is constructing a foundation and a legacy for a generation after you that you may or may not know right now, and it will have an impact on them. Now, you may notice when I was telling you about the roads that were traveled, you might notice that the two of those roads, Owen Miller Road and Terrell Cutoff Road, named after people, Terrell was my grandparents' last name. And yes, Terrell Cutoff Road was named for their family, as most of the roads in that area were named after the families who established those roads. That road came up to the backside of my uh, great-grandparents' piece of property, and they had cut through there to make a way to get easier access to travel to certain parts of the area. We traveled that road many, many times. Sometimes we would drive the whole stretch of Terrell Cutoff Road without encountering a, a single another person. There were other times that we would pass a few neighbors and we would wave. There was one particular place in that, that little stretch of road that became so narrow that you had to slow down and be sure no other cars were coming trying to pass at the same time. Because if you did, there would be a wreck. Sometimes you had to wait for another car to pass by before the way was cleared. Can't use that part of the road at the same time. It's too narrow. One of us would have to pull off almost all the way off the road even to let another person pass. I remember many times sitting there with my grandfather, someone passed, and he would wave. And I'd say, who was that? And he'd say, I'm not certain. I'm just letting them know it's okay. In a way, in a sense, the Christian walk that we're in is the same. There are spots in the journey where the road narrows and you find yourself walking alone. And those are some lonely times. You look around and the group that was with you just a little while back seems not to be found anywhere and you are lonely. Maybe it's times of grief puts you in a lonely season. Maybe it's times of struggle. Maybe it's times of tragedy. Times when you don't know where everyone has gone. But you find yourself so alone. For some, their family rejects them and they pursue this truth and they pursue it alone. Sometimes you walk on this journey with a lot of people around you and you look around one day 
and you realize friends have abandoned you. And like Paul said of Demas, he said, he has forsaken me having loved this present world. He abandoned me. At times it might be that God has stripped from you the things of comfort and he leads you into a place where you are alone because he wants you to have no attention on anything else except for him. Or he may ask you to take a leap of faith towards some new path only to find that you are falling and the security that you expected to be there has been taken away. Lonely times. It is to these times that I want to preach today. Lonely times and what you must know to have comfort in times like that. Because there are some things that can sustain you and get you through them. If you know that there are some things you can lean on in those lonely times. The first is this. Jesus knows what it is to be alone. He knows what it is to be abandoned, to be left to the side. He knows what it is to feel lonely. It was in Gethsemane that he invited those closest to him to watch and pray with him while he was deeply distressed and sorrowful at what he was about to face. They slept. They were off sleeping somewhere, even though he'd asked them to accompany him and pray with him. He was only a stone's throw away, but he was completely alone. He was within a distance you could throw a rock, but he felt completely lonely. And as he went further into the garden of Gethsemane, he took Peter and James and John with him. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Keep your eyes open. Be with me. I don't, I don't want to be alone. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. As he wrestles with God over the path and purpose of the cross, his closest supporters, friends, been with him for years now, are sleeping. Gethsemane represents for us a consecration. Jesus was consecrating himself to the purpose of Calvary's cross in that garden. But the closer you get to God in consecration to his purpose for your life, sometimes you find yourself walking a very lonely road, all alone, just you and God, getting consecrated to his purpose. Because the deeper you go into Gethsemane, the deeper you go into consecration, the smaller the group of companions become. Consecration to Christ's will for your life will at times make you feel very, very alone. It will take you to lonely places, dark places, where all you can do is lean on and trust in God and say, God, I know that I'm not alone. I'm trusting you. I'm walking this path, and even though I'm heartbroken, I'm besieged on other side. Every side, my heart is rended in two. I am trusting you. Matthew 26, 45 says he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Three times he went to them. Three times are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. 
the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. He said, I'm being betrayed and you're sleeping. How alone he must have felt. He carried a burden alone. I'm talking about lonely times because if anyone ever told you that living for God is just going to be easy all the time, they lied to you because living for God can sometimes make you feel very, very alone. It can take you to lonely places. But the hope that we have is this. We are never really alone. Because even before this, when Jesus was facing the cross of Calvary, and he knew even Peter would deny him three times, everyone would turn and abandon him. No one would be speaking up on his side. John 16 and 32, he said, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own. You're going to leave me. Leave me alone, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. You are never really alone. You may be in tragedy, but you're not alone. You may be suffering grief, but you're not alone. You may have felt like you've been abandoned, but God has never left you alone. Friends may be forsaking the way, but you are not alone because he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never forsake you and never leave you. Yes, you'll feel alone. Yes, you'll be lonely, but you're never really alone. It's in those times when you feel completely alone that you come to really know God. Thank God for some lonely seasons. And I'm saying that maybe right now you're in a lonely season. You're saying, I, I, don't, see, I don't see how you could say that. Thank God for lonely times. I'm telling you as someone who has walked through lonely seasons, you come out on the other side strong. You come out on the other side having something in your spirit and in your hand that you didn't have when you went into it because God works in lonely times. Jacob was alone at Bethel, but he found that all the time God was there. The angels were there. He said, I didn't even know it. And escaping from Esau, he made his way toward Laban's place alone, not sure what the future held, not sure what was going to happen, just knowing that he had been given a blessing. But what good is a blessing if you don't have no place to go, if you have no home and you stand alone in a season all by yourself? Rock for a pillow, sleeping that night in a dream. Lord appears and he says to him, Genesis 28, 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. We always focus on the last portion of that, that he's going to bring him back to the land that's been promised to their family, that he's going to make it back. He's going to be blessed. There's going to be children. There's going to be a future. But the most powerful thing in that promise is when the Lord says, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. When you're walking in lonely times, the Lord is there. He has not forsaken you or abandoned you. He is with you. 
Jacob wakes up in verse 16. He says, surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. Here I am. I thought I was alone. I thought I was looking at the terrible future in front of me, having to walk through a wilderness to get to my uncle. I was looking forward to the people I'm going to see next, but God has been with me the entire time. I have not been alone. The Lord was here, and I didn't even know it. So alone, yet really not alone. Every person of faith, Every, look at someone next to you and say every, every person, you and me, you have faith, you're included. Every person of faith will at times find themselves in lonely times. That is where God does great works. That is where God gives great promises. Abraham found himself alone. God gave him a promise. Paul was imprisoned alone, and God gave him a letter to write. John was abandoned on Patmos, and God gave him a vision. Daniel was alone in a lion's den, and he came out with a miracle of how lion's mouths were closed. Elijah was alone at the brook Kidron during a famine, and God gave him food to eat and then sent him to a widow woman with a cake. God did not leave him where he was. Jesus said, I am alone, but Jesus is now in his full authority and power at work in this world. John the Baptist was often alone in the wilderness. Joseph was set apart from his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold to slavery, locked in a dungeon, but God used him to save his people. Job was separated from his friends and from understanding why he suffered, but in the end God said, I'm going to make the end better than what was in the beginning. Micaiah was alone when he prophesied against Ahab and his 400 false prophets. All the pressure of Israel was upon him. Just go along, Micaiah. Just go along with what all the crowd is doing. Prophesy good things to Ahab, but Micaiah I said, no, I can't do that. I must say what the Lord says. And he stood on the Lord's side alone. It was very lonely because doing what is righteous will make you stand alone sometimes. When all the rest of the world wants you to bow under the pressure, you have to stand for righteousness and stand for God. And others are saying, we don't do it that way. Why do you do it that way? You just have to say, I'm trusting in God. And this is the path he has me on. You're never alone when you stand. You're not on your own. You've been bought with a high, high price, the blood of the lamb, applied to your life for redemption's purpose. Aaron had the blood of a ceremonial lamb applied to his ear, to his thumb, and his large toe of his foot. It was God's way of saying, you are consecrated to me. Let me tell you, the blood applied to your life, you are consecrated to him. You are never alone. Even in lonely times, even when you see everything in the world is turned against you, you are not alone. He said, Aaron, your hearing, it's mine. Your work that you put your hand to, it's mine. And wherever you walk, that belongs to me. 
I have your ear, I have your hand, your thumb, and I have your big toe. Wherever you walk, that's mine. You are not your own. And because you are not your own, even when you feel alone, even when you look around and you feel abandoned, even when you walk in those tight, narrow, dark places, you are never alone. What do you do? You keep walking. You keep pulling yourself to church. You keep leaning on faith. You keep praying, God, help my unbelief. Lord, help my faith. Help me to believe that you will do what you said you would do. And God, where there is unbelief in me, help me strengthen my faith. You keep praying. You keep trusting in God because it's in those lonely times that God takes you to a place of deep consecration, giving you promises, giving you strength, giving you miracles, giving you answers, giving you a way out where there seems to be no way out. That's what you do. And that's the only answer for it. There's no other answer. It's not always resolved in one moment. It's not always resolved in a service. It's not always resolved in a prayer meeting. Sometimes it's just walking a lonely path and trusting that God knows exactly where the foot of the righteous is falling and he's ordered your steps. That's what you have to do. Things you remember in lonely seasons and lonely times. First, that Jesus, Jesus knows what it is to be lonely. He's not off somewhere far removed, not knowing what you're going through. That is not the kind of God that we have. I'm getting ready to end. That is not the kind of God that we have. We don't have the kind of God that you go into a temple and you put food in front of and they're far off removed and you're trying to get their attention. No, when you say the name Jesus, you have his attention and he has never left you. He is with you and he knows exactly what it is to be alone. He knows what it is to be lonely. He knows every season that you find yourself in. The second thing you know is that people of faith they find themselves in lonely times. God's with them. And the only thing you can do is you just keep walking. You just keep walking. You keep trusting God. Can I get a witness of someone that you've been there? You've been in lonely times. You thought, Lord, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I don't know how I can go on. The grief is too heavy to bear tragedy that I just suffered is just too much. The trauma in my life, the things that overwhelm me, anxiety, depression. I don't know how I'm going to make it. But you keep walking the path. Somewhere around the corner, somewhere over a hill, somewhere off in the future. It's like the path opens back up. And there's the family of God walking with you. God took you through a place of loneliness. He took you through a season of loneliness. But you come out on the other side. People start saying, what is that? Where'd you get that at? Where, where did you 
learn that about that scripture that speaks so much to you. Say, I, I was in a lonely season. I was going through something I was not prepared for. I was going through something that I never thought I would go through in my life. And one day, one day, my head on a rock pillow, I had a vision. God spoke into my life. God gave me something. And I woke up and I said, I was never alone. And you can tell someone else that God did not abandon you. God did not leave you whenever you felt so alone. Because he is faithful. He is faithful. I don't, I don't know what things you've been facing. I, I may not have even caught up with you yet today and found out what was going on this last week in your life. But I know for certainty that God spoke to me today that someone needed to know that they're not alone and that in a season of loneliness, God is doing something. It may seem like it's empty. It may seem like it doesn't matter. It may seem like you may feel like just throwing in the towel, giving up. But it's not for nothing. It's not for nothing. God has brought you to a season and when you come out of this season he's going to give you everything that you need you're going to walk taller you're going to stand straighter you're going to be stronger you're going to have prayers to pray that you never had to pray before you're going to have prayers that whenever the enemy comes you're going to pray and there's a certain authority in your life in that place in your life because God has brought you through would you stand with me I wonder if as a church family, those that feel comfortable, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray and seek the Lord for just a moment. Let's give him an opportunity to speak to us. Maybe you find yourself in a very lonely season. You say, God, I, I need that now. I need to know that I'm not alone. I just need to know, Lord, lay your hand of comfort on me. Put a word of comfort on me that I know I'm not alone, that you see right where I'm at. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're one of those ones that you've been through it before and you need to pray and just say, God, I thank you. I never really looked back and saw how at work you were, how instrumental it was that I go through that season in my life and now I am better because of it, because you ordered the steps of the righteous. God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this place. I thank you for what you're doing here right now. God, I thank you for what you're speaking to people. God, I thank you for words that we can cling to. Your words, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's seek the Lord for just a moment.